You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. All right. Good morning. Y'all doing all right? Y'all excited to be in church? Are y'all awake? How's this new 9 a.m. thing going? Y'all, y'all good with this? Yeah? And we got an and the front row. That's okay. That's how I feel about the 9 a.m. too. But I just got to get over it so I can preach good. You know what I'm saying? Just need the worship. If, if it weren't for the worship team, I'd be a horrible preacher, just so y'all know. Like, I know we're supposed to bring our supply and we're supposed to bring, you know, our thing when we come to church. But the 9 a.m., I ain't bringing nothing but my physical body. You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Not really. Actually, I'm telling the truth. Um, hey, good to see you guys today. Excited to be with you. My name's Keith, and um, I am a part of the teaching team here. I'm the campus pastor in Lubbock, for those of you who don't know me. And um, obviously was here in, in Midland for, uh, for two years, and I'm, you're not getting rid of me because I'm going to keep coming back. Is that all right? All right. Okay. I got four people who really like me. I really I appreciate you guys so much. Um, now I'm excited to, just to get to share with you today and kind of continue a series that Cody has been preaching to you about and, and talking around. And um, this, this series, we're actually teaching it in Lubbock as well. But we're teaching around the idea, what if, if Jesus had a church today, what would it look like? I love, I love this idea. I love this question because it really gets us thinking, I believe it gets us thinking in the right direction. It gets us thinking, kind of, kind of takes our mind off of the American church, off of the Western church, kind of what it should be. And we, we need to really begin to ask ourselves that question. If Jesus had a church today, what would it look like? I mean, if this was his church, what would it look like? What would it, what would it sound like? What would the atmosphere be like if Jesus had a church today? Maybe a better question to ask is, who would be at Jesus' church? What kind of people would show up if Jesus had a church today? And maybe maybe even better question than that is, would you like the people that would show up to Jesus' church if you were there? <laughs> I mean, if we really, really begin to think about the church that Jesus would have, I think there'd be a lot of things that maybe personally we would have to get over, Right? That maybe would make us a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe that would, that would push our boundaries of what we think, of who we think should be here and what we think he should teach and what we think he shouldn't teach. I mean, there's all kinds of thoughts that surround that one question, if Jesus had a church today, what would it be like? You know, Cody began talking to you last week about um, how, how if Jesus had a church today, it would, uh, everything that we do, everything that we feel, everything that, that um, we, we try to accomplish would have the foundation of the Bible, would have the foundation of Scripture. It is the foundation for every single thing that we should do in church. If Jesus had a church, how many know Jesus is the Word? So the Word would be a big part of what He did, of what He would be doing. It literally is the thing that we go back to for our, our absolute truth in this life. And then um, the, the two weeks ago, he began to talk to you around the story of the woman at the well. How many know the story of the woman at the well? You remember that Jesus met this, Jesus, a Jew, met this Samaritan woman. Kind of give you a quick review. Um, if, if you don't understand this, Jews and Samaritans don't get along. Kind of like you and your wife. You just don't get along. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. 
Are y'all awake out there? Okay. Jews and Samaritans, they just, they just didn't get along. In fact, they hated one another. They, they differed in a lot of different areas. They differed politically, religiously, culturally. They, they were completely different. You know, I was reading some commentary last week, and, and it said that devout Jews, this is how much they didn't like each other. Devout Jews wouldn't even walk through the town of Samaria because they felt if they just walked through the town that they would become defiled. That they would become unclean just by walking down the streets of the town. And yet in the story, we have Jesus asking a Samaritan woman for a drink. He was saying so much more in this moment. Here you have a a group of devout Jews who don't even want to walk through the town. And then you have Jesus who says, hey, Samaritan woman, I want you to touch that jar you're about to give me. Pour the water in it and then hand it to me and I'm going to actually drink it. Are you following me? They They were completely different. In fact, Jesus even knew this woman's sin. Remember what he said? He said, go get your husband. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was just playing with her. That's what he was doing. Go get your husband. She's like, ah, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right, you don't. You've had five. And the one you're living with right now, you're not even married to. And she's like, oh, shoot, you must be a prophet. That was, that was, that was my translation right there. See, Jesus actually knew the sin that she was living in. And yet he still reached out and asked her for a drink. He differed from her completely and still made her feel accepted, welcomed, and he made her feel like she belonged. See, I believe if Jesus had a church today, that there would be a lot of people who belonged in his church. In fact, I believe that if Jesus had a church today, he would want a congregation who would say, we accept everyone in this church. We accept black and white and every other color. We accept Republicans and Democrats. We accept iPhone users and Android users. And you might need deliverance, but you're still welcome in the church. I mean, we, we, we would accept everybody. I mean, even the more serious things, we would accept the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. We'd accept the mask wearers and the mask haters. You see, if, if, if Scripture isn't black and white about it, why do we get to be black and white about it? And I think a lot of times, in, in just as the body of Christ, we kind of we drive our nail in this place and say, uh, you, you know, I stand this ground. I hold this line. And, and I think it, it would be smart of us to ask the question, did, does Jesus want us to hold that same line? Is that the line that he's wanting me to hold? Now, I didn't plan on preaching my whole, Cody's whole first message, but I'm going to keep going for just a second. I'm, am I saying that there are, that there are things that we, that, we, that we should never stand up for? No, I'm not saying that. Is there things that scripture says are black and white and we should believe this and we should do this and not do this? Absolutely. But here's a statement I want you to grab a hold of. In this church, we don't accept sin, but we do accept sinners. We are not okay with sin. We will still preach the Bible. We will will still stand up for what is absolutely true. And you can even stand up for your opinion in this place. Just as long as your opinion 
doesn't affect your love for people. You've heard it said this way, we hate the sin, but we love the sinner. I believe the body of Christ can actually do that. You know what I believe Jesus is coming back for? You know what kind of church he's looking for? He's not looking for a church of uniformity. He's looking for a church of unity. He uniformity says, we all got to look the same, dress the same, talk the same, believe the same. Culturally, we got to be the same. We got to do all these things the same. No, no, that's uniformity. That, that, that doesn't even represent God. Have you looked around? Have you noticed that we all look different? That we all talk different? That some of us have an accent and some of us don't, like my wife, and I don't. Like, and I, it's, it's pretty sexy, too. I kind of like that, that, little, that little West Texas accent, right? No, we're just, we're just different. It's called diversity, and God loves it. He's not looking for uniformity. He's looking for unity, which says we'll come together under the name of Jesus despite our differences and say we are going after the same thing, and it is the kingdom of God advancing on the face of the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you can get behind that, you can be unified as a church. Jesus had a church today. I think we would be unified. I want to kind of pick up. Uh, in that same story of the woman at the well today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open to John chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 27. Just to kind of catch you up, remind you of a a key part in the story as we read today. You remember that Jesus and his disciples, they were on their way from Judea to Galilee, and they had gotten really, really hungry, which is why Jesus actually stopped at the well. It says that He was tired and he was hungry, so he stopped at the well, and the disciples went to go get him in themselves something to eat, okay? Now, here's where we pick up in verse 27. Just then, the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, and why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied. Notice what he says. He says, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up and look around. The fields are ready, are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvest, and it's true. I sent you now, I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant, Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days. Long enough for many more to hear the message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Today, I want to title the message, You Gotta Pour Out to Fill Up. You Gotta Pour Out to Fill Up. Would you pray with me? 
Lord, we, <clears throat> we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time in your word. And Lord, we just ask that you bless it, <laughs> that your favor and your anointing would be here on this message, on my words. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the best teacher. You're the best director. You're the best guider. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to do just that, just to lead us and to guide us into your truth for our life today. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. <clears throat> amen. Um, do any of you have something in your life that you love, but most people just don't get it? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you, you, you actually, there's something that you really, really love, but those around you, they just don't understand. They just don't get it. Uh, just this week, if you, if you were following me on Instagram, you kinda, you're, you're going to know where I'm going here in just a second. But we got done with our home church on Wednesday night, me and my wife, and I was like, you know what I want? I want a little bit more Jesus. Let's go to Chick-fil-A. So we went to Chick-fil-A. And I got my spicy chicken sandwich, and I got my large fries, and I got home, and I was super, super happy until this one thing happened. And I pulled out that stupid fry that should not be in my fry box. Do y'all know which one I'm talking about? It's the one that's the end of the potato. It's the one that you can't see through. It's the one that's real nice and thick. I call it the potato butt. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And I just had this, I just had this epiphany. It's like, you know what? I think I'm going to go on strike. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out there to all 70 of my followers on Instagram. And we're going we're gonna to rise up and we're going to ask Chick-fil-A to never put these things in the fry box ever again. Because this is the truth. If I get two or more of those in my fries, I'm depressed. They done messed up. Chick-fil-A, what's your problem? You gave me, there's no kids in here? Well, I won't say it anyway. They just gave me the, the bad stuff, right? And, and so I got on Instagram, and I began to talk about this, and, and put a little survey out of if you, if you wanted the potato butt to be, to be gone or not. <clears throat> if you liked the potato butt or not. And guess what I found out? That people have problems. That's what I found out. <laughs> the potato butt got over 30% votes. I even had people, someone, write me and say they wish their whole deal of fries were potato butts. I said, there is absolutely no way. You need a sozo. There is absolutely, it, 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 it just it doesn't actually exist. And then I had another person say she reaches in her husband's fries and steals the potato butts. And I'm like, what world do I live in? What has actually happened? And I can, let me just confess this. Your pastor likes potato butts. This one right here. He likes them. Do you hear that? That's 30% of your congregation clapping. That's what that is. I mean, I, I promise you, I, I would have sworn. I would have sworn that that thing wouldn't have got over 8%. I would have sworn the majority of the population hated them. Chick-fil-A was going to see my post. I was going to change Chick-fil-A's across the world because of this one thing. Didn't happen. What's my point? I just didn't get it. I, I, I literally, to this, even right now in this moment, I don't understand how you could possibly like that. I remember this, this, this happens a lot in your marriage, right? Where your wife or your husband just likes something, they love something, and you just don't get it. Um, early on in, in me and Natalie's marriage, I would come home and 
And um, I was working out a lot at the time, and I would always tell her about my workout. And was, I, was I trying to impress her? Maybe, maybe just a little bit. It's like, oh, man, today was brutal. Like, we did, like, 35 reps on bench, like 300 pounds. Like, uh, just, and, and, and I kept telling her day after day, and finally I just noticed that she just wasn't listening. And I was like, I worked my butt off. I was like, do you even care? She's like, no. No, no, I, I actually, I couldn't care any less. She's like, please stop talking to me about your flipping workouts. So what did I do as a good husband? I talked about it for another like six or seven months just to, just to make her mad, right? I was like, you just, you just don't get it. And you know what we see in this story? You know what we see in the story of the woman at the well? We see a lot of people who just didn't get it. This is a story of people who just, Jesus was blowing their mind. He, he was asking them questions and doing things that they just didn't understand. I mean, the woman said to him, why are you talking to me? Why are you asking me for a drink? Then Jesus goes on to say, oh, yeah, um, if you only knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink. And the drink I would give you, it's living water and it'd sustain you forever. Yeah. And her response is, but you don't even have a rope or a bucket. How can you get this water? She just didn't get it. And then... The point of the message today, we have the disciples. They were hungry with Jesus. Jesus was hungry. They went to go get him some food. And they come back and they say, Rabbi, here's some food. And he says, I'm good. I'm good. I'm full. And the disciples are like, what do you? They look at each other like, did somebody, did somebody bring him some food while we were gone? And then he hits them with this statement. I want to read it to you. John chapter 4, verse 31. It said, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment, come on, say nourishment. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me and from finishing his work. Jesus takes a moment in the natural and reveals something supernatural. Here's what Jesus takes a, a, a moment where these people are, they're, they're just not getting it in their, in their physical mind. They just can't wrap their head around what he's saying. He's saying, listen, listen, I'm going to use this whole illustration of food to let you know my nourishment, my satisfaction, my fulfillment, it doesn't come from what I put in. It actually comes from what I give out. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God. My nourishment comes from sharing the gospel. What, if, you, if you take this in context, what was Jesus just doing? He was ministering to a hurt woman. He even goes on to, to teach the disciples after he says this. He says, hey, um, the, the, the harvest is ripe. The fields are ripe for harvest. What, what is the fruit that he was talking about? He goes on to explain it's bringing people into eternity. So what, what, what's the overall thing Jesus is trying to get across to us? He's trying to say, my nourishment comes from feeding other people. And isn't this just like other things in the kingdom? Have you heard it said we live in the upside-down kingdom? The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom? I mean, think about it. You lose your life to save it. In order to be a good leader, a godly leader, you serve. 
The first will become last. It's like everything in the kingdom kind of works opposite. And here's what Jesus is actually saying. True satisfaction doesn't come from you feeding yourself. True satisfaction comes when you feed others. True satisfaction doesn't come when you nourish yourself. But it actually comes from serving other people. It actually comes from putting people ahead of you. It actually comes from you thinking of others above yourself. And I know you've heard this before. But it's something I believe we all need to be reminded of because many of us are, are, are in this life and we're looking to get fulfilled and we're looking for true satisfaction. And, and, and even worse, we come, we come to a Sunday morning experience thinking that's where we're going to find it. And I'm not knocking the Sunday morning experience. But when it comes, I believe this story kind of gives a, a taste or a, some insight into what Jesus' church would actually look like because I think if Jesus had a church today, it would not be all about how good the preacher can preach, but it would be about how, how there's a, a many opportunities, ample opportunities for you to actually serve someone else. If Jesus had a church today, I'm sure he would, he would preach the doors off. But he would understand that True satisfaction would not come from a really, really good message. But it would actually come from giving you the opportunity to get up out of your chair and go lay hands on someone. That it would come from, from, from encouraging you that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead actually dwells in you. Which means when you lay hands, when you open your mouth, when you encourage, when you give advice, it's actually the God moving through you into someone else. And it doesn't just have to be the pastor. Now I think this is kind of, if I could take that, this idea and this truth and jump back over into church life. I want us to think about how, how many times we've heard this statement. And this statement's probably even come out of our own mouth. We say things like, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just not getting fed there anymore. Anybody ever heard that before? Don't raise your hand if you've ever said it before. Man, you know, just, I don't know, like, I loved it, but the Holy Spirit just doesn't seem to be there anymore. Just, just not getting, you know, the, the worship's good, man, but like, I really wish we'd go spontaneous like every song. Like if Steve-O would go spontaneous every song, the church would be so much better. Some of you are like, no, actually it wouldn't. I want to sit down after about 55 minutes. Oh, I'm, I thought I was just talking about some people in here. No? Okay. You can sit down if you want and worship. It doesn't matter what you do. But we have this idea that our nourishment comes from here. And I will say, there is some truth to that. It's very, very clear in Scripture that as a shepherd, you're called, we are called to feed the sheep. You should be getting fed here. It's, it's okay for you to enjoy the message. It's okay for you to enjoy the worship. It's okay for you to enjoy the, the building and the sound and the whole experience. Absolutely. This is God. But what I'm saying to you today that this isn't the whole picture. 
This isn't everything. That your nourishment doesn't just come from what you can intake. It actually comes from what, you, what, what pours out of you. You see, if you want to get satisfied, if you want true satisfaction in your life, you got to pour out to fill up. you got to pour out. First, got to see yourself as someone who can pour out, who's worthy to pour out, who has something to pour out. But I'm telling you, if you will actually begin to pour out, you will begin to fill up like you've never filled up before. I... Uh, I told the team back here before we started, I was like, you know, I can't get through a message without giving a sports, a sports example. So, but it's just who I am. All right. You know, in my, I, pre, I played sports for gosh, 18, 20 years straight. Um, I, I've literally, this is not a, a, a prideful statement, but I've literally got to do practically anything that I've wanted in sports. I've got, to, I've got to strike out the batter. I've got to hit the home run. I've got to throw the, the touchdown pass. I never tackled anybody, but I got to throw the touchdown pass. Like, I, I, I got to kind of, I got to do all the things. And I got to experience the joy of actually doing it. I know what it feels like to throw a 90-yard bomb down the field and run all the way down the field with my hands up, high-fiving people, butt-slapping people, chest-bumping people, going absolutely nuts, getting a grounder, throwing someone out at first, kicking actually a soccer ball into the goal. Like, I know what it feels like. It feels amazing. But can I tell you this? It actually pales in comparison to how I'm living now when I actually get to teach my kids and I get to watch them do it. You know, when people would say that, I would always be like, that's because you must have never thrown a touchdown. You must have been the backup. It's actually true. When I, as, and if you're, you're a parent in here, you understand this, as frustrating as it can be to coach your kids. I'm going to take a breath right now. I got a little heated when I just started to think about it. It is the most frustrating and can be, for a moment in time, the most miserable moment on the face of the earth. But... The moment that you see them hit that baseball or strike out that kid or actually do what you're actually coaching them to do, when they, you can tell deep down on the inside, they're not believing a word you're saying. And you just keep saying it and saying it until finally they do it and all of a sudden they look at you like, you're a genius, Dad. <laughs> when that moment happens, and you get to see the joy that comes over their face, there's nothing like it. It's way better than if you were the one striking the person out. You want to know why? Because that's what we were created for. We were created to pour out. We were created to get our eyes off of ourselves onto other people. We were created to live and function in the body of Christ, unified, locking arms, hearing testimonies like Rabe shared this morning. Letting, and you may not have felt good this morning, but letting his testimony bring faith to you. We were created for this. You were not created to figure this thing out all by yourself. And if you're trying to do it, I, gotta, I, I can actually bet on this. You're failing. 
You want to know why? Because you've already set yourself up for failure. You cannot do this alone. You need spiritual family in your life. It is not enough. Can I preach for a second? It is not enough for you to come here and sit here on Sunday and go home. Get your butt in a home church. Get, your, get, your, get, get yourself around spiritual family who know about you, who know what you're walking through, who know what you need in your life. They are there for you. And they may not be the best person. They may not be Stephen Furtick or T.D. Jakes in your life. You don't need them in your life because... They're, they just make you feel worse about yourself because they're so good. <laughs> but you do need others. We do, I need others. We do need people. You're saying, say, Pastor, is it really that serious? It is really that serious. It really is. We can't keep believing. We can't keep believing that we can actually do this without spiritual family. We can't keep believing that lie. And as hard as it is to be around family, as hard as it is to like people, we don't have an excuse not to be a part of the family. You hear me today? See if Jesus had a church today, I think, it would be a church that's connected and it would be a church full of people who pour out to one another. <clears throat> you know, I've not only experienced this in, the, in a natural way, I've experienced this in a spiritual way. There's nothing like going up to someone and giving them an encouraging word and actually see it work. Where you see them light up and they actually lead with courage. There's nothing like roaming through the auditorium during worship and finding someone that the Lord's pointing out to me, and I just put my hands on them, and as soon as I put my hands on them, I watch them begin to weep because they just needed a touch, a touch from God. Maybe they just needed a touch from family. There's nothing like giving someone some advice and actually see them do it and then watching the fruit that comes from it. That's what you were created for. This is what we were created for and this is the church that Jesus would have. It'd be a church that served one another. Now today as I I go to close, I want to take you back to a just a moment in the story where Jesus tells this woman that he's the Messiah. She comes, he comes to her and they have this whole long conversation. <clears throat> and I love what she says because Jesus is just blowing her mind and she, she does one of these. She's like, yeah, that's really, really good. I've heard there's this guy called the Messiah. When he comes, he'll explain all this stuff you're talking about. And he's like, I'm the Messiah. It's me. you know what her response is to do? She leaves the jar at the well. She came to get some water. She leaves it all, and she runs back to tell everyone in the town, you've got to come meet this guy. 
you got to come meet this guy. I think he might actually be the Messiah. He read my mail. He prophesied over me like this dude is for real. you got to come meet this guy. Do you know that Jesus didn't teach her a message on the Great Commission? He didn't say, hey, I know we just met, but Scripture says go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't teach her how to evangelize. Reaching out to others was not a lesson. It was not born out of a lesson. It was born out of an encounter with Jesus. And just her meeting him made her run back to the people who needed it. The majority of you in this room, you've met him. You remember what it was like when you met him? How many of you were just crazy evangelistic after the first time you met him? You're telling your mom, your dad, your brothers, your dog, your cat, whoever will listen, you are trying to get everyone saved. Because that's actually the response when you meet him. Hear me today. This is not about, I'm not, we're not pushing some, hey, sign up for volunteer teams after this message. Well, there's multiple ways to serve in the body, outside of even those. But it's not a good message that's going to make you serve. If you're looking for motivation from the lesson today, it'll do a little bit of work. But true motivation, motivation to serve one another, it comes from you connecting back to your encounter with Jesus. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.